thank you for tuning in to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and today my guest is my friend James. How are you today, James? I'm doing just fine. How about you? Well, thank you. Not too bad. Uh, nice Saturday in early autumn here, so uh, the nice weather we were having is... Uh, bye Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. we got to start getting ready for the eight months of winter that uh. Wisconsin has. But that is not the topic of today. If you want to learn about the weather, go visit the Weather Channel. Today we're going to be talking about video games. And specifically, there's two different topics we're going to do discuss today because I didn't know if we'd really have enough to do an entire episode on each one individually. So I decided we'll just combine them. And the two topics we're going to talk about today are actually somewhat related, at least in my opinion. And that is the topic of YouTube video game shows. And retro gaming. So we're going to start by talking a little bit about YouTube video game shows, because uh, some of you who've been listening to my podcast know that I started on my own channel on YouTube. And uh, James here, you also have your own channel that you do. Yes, I do. Demon King IX. Okay, so what are some of the videos you tend to do? Because I've seen a few of them, but just for the audience out there. Well, some of the videos I do are Minecraft, Town of Salem. Let me think here. I, the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, and I let my viewers decide what other they want me to play. Okay, so it sounds like you do more computer gaming? Yeah, since I don't have the little setup you have here. <laughs> yeah, and the... I know I never got as much into the computer games. Mm -hmm. I've always been more of a console gamer. The only real computer games I ever really got into were... Uh, these are older ones. Castle of the Winds. I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's, I believe it's freeware. It's probably available out there somewhere, but Castle of the Winds is good. Another one that I really got into was Freedom Force. That one I have not heard of. It's Can you a, explain that one a little bit? Yeah, it's a good game. It is essentially a superhero RPG. So it's a lot of fun because it, it has a good story behind it. It takes place during the Cold War yeah. or... Well, maybe slightly after. I think the it's supposed to take place in like the 60s, I think, uh, around the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it's around that time frame. And the story involves an alien race that they decide that they want to watch Earth destroy itself from within. So what they do... <laughs> yes, you can probably see where this is going, because what they do... <laughs> but anyways, see, what they do is they have this... Uh, chemical that they just kind of randomly spray at people on Earth. I think they called it, like, something X. I don't remember the name of it. It's been a long time since I played the game. Mm -hmm. But essentially what it does is it gives certain people superpowers, both people who are good and people who are bad. Because I think what the evil alien emperor was hoping is that if enough people who are really bad, you know, bad guys, were to get a hold of superpowers, that they would use it to eventually destroy the Earth. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it didn't work that way because, of course, there were good people that also got the, again, chemical X, I think. I don't, I said, I don't remember what, what it was called. Chemical X. Whatever it was. <laughs> yes. Uh, there were, of course, good guys that got superhero powers as well. So you start out as uh, an old guy who worked on the Manhattan Project. But he was kicked off because he accused his one of his teammates of being a communist. So again, this kind of dates uh, the dates it. You're looking at me kind of weird. Uh, you know, like how the heck does that? Oh wait, we have to also talk remember about to, the time yeah, remember where it takes place. So um, the essentially this old guy he gets shot because he finds out that his former partner was in fact working with the Soviets. Hmm. Um, so, because again, remember with Cold War video games, literature, everything. Of course, the Soviets, you know, back then it was a you know different time. But anyways, so he there's a statue of like a Minuteman that was nearby, and while he got hit with this chemical, whatever it was, he touched the statue. He grew younger, stronger, and became the the Minuteman. So he was essentially like a Captain America. There's another guy you meet who's called the Mentor. He's essentially a Martian Manhunter. Mm -hmm. There's a Ant-Man, who's essentially your Spider-Man type guy. He starts out as this nerdy little guy and then gets his powers. And But anyways, okay. uh, it's a fun game. You should check it out if you ever see it. I'll see if I can find it on Steam. Yeah, those are the only two computer games that I really played a lot of. I mean, I've played Doom, but never really got much into that. This was the old freeware version. Oh, yeah. What? Yes, James and I are a generation apart, so... <laughs> but anyways, 
So what are some of the games that you've liked to play for computers? You mentioned uh, Town of Salem, which I've never heard of. So what, yeah. what's that one like? Town of Salem is more the, how do I put this? Basically, there are two groups, the good guys and the bad guys. No brainer right there. The mm -hmm. town people that consist of jobs like a sheriff, detective, and so on and so forth. You can go down the line. Then we have the Mafia, who are in the bad territory. We have the... I'm forgetting the top guy is second in command, but we also have... Well, actually, I'm just forgetting the entire section of them. <laughs> I have not played in a few weeks, so it's okay. blanking on me. So, yeah. Uh, there is a witch and a werewolf, though, which I kind of found interesting. There's actually a rap that goes with it, hmm. so... We might check that out later. Yeah, and then I know you mentioned you do Minecraft and then Binding yeah. of Isaac, which I've heard about and I've never actually played it. Mm -hmm. I understand it's supposed to be like an homage to like Legend of Zelda type games. A little games bit. And has kind of a dark theme behind it. <laughs> it more kind of focuses down the dark Christian route where the mom has been hearing voices from quote-unquote God mm -hmm. saying that Isaac is impure. Hell, you need to relieve him of all evil and so on and so forth. And the mom wants to kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and traps you down a basement. Well, you actually fall down a basement, and then you have to go up and kill her with your tears. Yeah, that's what I heard about. It's like you're essentially, yeah, you're using your tears as weapons. So, mm -hmm. anyways, so on to a little cheerier subject, and that is video game shows on YouTube, which, of course, there's tons of them out there. Now, what got you interested in doing a video game show? Well, mostly, there was actually three people who got me going. Uh, one of them was a Minecrafter named uh, Bashavis. If anyone here watches Drama Alert, he's been classified as a pedo, which kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. Uh, next, another one which a lot of people should know is Markiplier. Oh, yeah. He's a very good dude. Uh, he actually did a video with a guy who, I, I don't know what problem he had. He was kind of stuck in a chair. I'm forgetting what he had. I think it was just paralyzed down. Okay. And he helped him create a channel, which I found caring and loving. And the third one, no, this one was not a Minecraft. It, it was actually everyone else. The friends I have, the people I know. Basically, they always told me, do what you think is right. Do what you're comfortable with. A job that you love doesn't feel like a job. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I know it's, it is always nice when you do have jobs where you actually can make money and mm -hmm. you actually enjoy what you're doing. But, yeah, because for me, it really, my, the reason I set up the YouTube channel for Point of Insanity Game Studio, it was kind of a, well, let me go back a little bit. I had this idea where I wanted to record footage of a friend of mine and I playing Castlevania because we played the first Castlevania for the NES. I liked that game. He didn't. So we had this differing opinion. And what I did is I decided to create a video of it. So if you go back a few episodes, it's called Alan Dan Play Castlevania, and originally I just put it up on my Facebook channel for, not my Facebook channel, my <laughs> Facebook page for Point of Insanity Game Studio. So I put the video portion up there. Well, after doing the Castlevania episode, I decided to do Al's Bargain Bin Adventures, which would be kind of like a side project I would do with my podcast, where, you know, of course I'd put the audio up, but... I put the video up on my Facebook page, mm -hmm. and then that's where I'm like, well, you know, I'm starting to do more of these, and they're kind of fun to do. I enjoy doing them, so why don't we do a YouTube channel? So that's what got me into it, and the reason that I decided to do the Bargain Bin Adventures is because sometimes if you go to, like, GameStop or any place where used video games mm -hmm. are sold, you're going to see games there that are, like, 99 cents or $1.99, so I'm like, well, let's check some of these games out and see... Are these hidden gems, or are they just steaming piles of, you <laughs> know what, yes, are they demon dung that are best left in the pits of hell? So that's that's what got me into it, and, you know, again, I've had mixed results. Some of the games I played were better than others. Like uh, Brutal Legends, that was a fun one. Oh yeah, Brutal Legend. I said, it paid about three bucks for it, and definitely well worth it, and then... I paid like 49 cents for Link's crossbow training, which actually wasn't bad. It was more of a gimmick game because it was originally sold with the NES, or not the NES Zapper. That shows how old school I am, but uh, <laughs> it was sold with the Wii Zapper. Uh... So it was more of a gimmick thing, but from a gameplay standpoint, not too bad. Uh, but yeah, my one I did most recently, Chicken Blaster. Uh... 
the last. Have you ever played Chicken Blaster, or have you just seen the videos? I of saw it? the video, and I regret watching it. Yes, I'm. For anyone out there who's watched Chicken Blaster, I apologize <laughs> for wasting several minutes of your life that you'll never get back. And like I said, GameStop, you should be paying us <laughs> to take those games off your hand because for every copy of Chicken Blaster that leaves the store, you now have more room that you can put maybe a good game on like Brutal Legend, but that's beside the point. Yeah. So how do you decide what games to review or play when you are making your videos? Well, when I first played it, I thought, okay, what are the games I know I like? Mm -hmm. I like playing Salem. I like playing Minecraft. That's a no-brainer. And I like also playing The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. The Binding of Isaac Rebirth was actually a recent add-on. What inspired me to play that one was a group of people that I enjoyed watching which was uh, The Tears of Grace, and a few others. Tears of Grace was the main one, since it's a British son of a gun who just swears a lot of his channels. <laughs> but he's hilarious in some points. Either way, other games, like I'm thinking of playing The Saints Row, who are number 2, 3, and 4. I'm a little iffy on that one, since I don't, I don't have many viewers, so it's like, yeah. how can I tell what they want to hear? What do they want to see me play? The Saints Row games. Uh, sorry to interrupt you for a moment here, but oh, yeah, the right. Saint Joe, Saint Joe, Saints <laughs> Row games. I've heard about those, and I've wanted to try them. And I was advised to start with number three mm -hmm. because several episodes ago I did a Castlevania retrospective, mm -hmm. and the gentleman who was helping me out with that, Josh Hadley from Twelve O One Beyond Productions, he mentioned that yeah, Saints One, Saints Row One is essentially to just a GTA, Grand Theft Auto it ripoff. Is. And then G uh, Saints Row Two. Yeah, Saints Row Two, it was a little better and they started to put a little humor into mm -hmm. it. Then Saints Row Three, they put oh, even more God. humor into it. <laughs> and from what I he either said this about Saints Row Three or Saints Row Four, but he's like, okay, let's the game designers must have been like, let's smoke a big bag of crack before we design <laughs> that this. That was thing. four <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's one of the things I like where they do try and, to insert uh, that humor where the game doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah, there's actually two weapons, a one in each game. Number three, there's a there's a, it's a dildo sword. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <geez. laughs> it's called the Penetrator. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Another one. Uh, this one's in four. It's called the Dubstep Gun, and literally, it its weaponry, its ammo is dubstep music. Oh, jeez. And everyone else who's not hostile dances to it while you're firing it. It's just, oh, God. Another series I've started is my 8-bit flashback, mm -hmm. where just more or less playing a game that I used to play when I was a kid and just kind of going over some of my memories of that game. So it is interesting, though, sometimes when you take a look as a game that you played as a kid and looking at it as an adult. So... I don't know, maybe yeah. when you reach my age someday that, you know, you might look back at... No, there's you know. actually been a few games that I played when I was young. Uh, I actually used to play the NES when I was a kid, and that's oh. all we had. Okay. And we actually had the oh, cool. Mario and Duck Hunter game and that one cartridge, which I found lovely. Uh, basically, I missed the ducks on purpose when I played Duck Hunt, so when the dog came up, bang. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know, everyone tries to kill that darn dog. <laughs> And they actually did release Duck Hunt for the Wii U. Yeah, I noticed that uh, one. We have it. I personally mm. prefer the original because yeah. it was kind of fun. Now, of course, getting a light gun to work nowadays is mm. kind of tricky, but we're not going to get into that. Oh, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, and then occasionally there's just stuff like, hey, I'm going to play this game. I think this might be a cool video to make, so mm. put that up. So what do you think is the current state of video game shows? I mean, do you watch a lot of them? Do you just watch a few of them? Uh... Or? Lately, I've been actually cutting back a lot, since it just feels like they're dropping in entertainment a wee bit, because mm. with all the drama coming up lately with Minecrafters, YouTubers in general, it just feels like there's issues coming on with them, and I can't really tell what, though. It just feels like any time I watch, let's go back to Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, and let's go with Sunday, who's, other, who's a Minecraft YouTuber, they just... I don't know, it just feels like I can't watch them anymore, since it just, they're not funny like they used to, because mm -hmm. I have watched them for five years now, it feels like, and 
I still enjoy them. I still enjoy watching them. It's just some of the games they've chosen, it's just not that entertaining. Like uh, Sunday, he's Sunday. <laughs> uh, he's playing the game called Terratech. I like how the game looks. It's basically you're a little robot who goes off and shoots other robots. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know. It just feels like I'm dropping an interest on it. But I still want to do what I do. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I think. Well, do you think that the whole video game genre on YouTube has become oversaturated? A little bit, in my opinion. A wee bit, since if you actually look at how many YouTubers are outside. Oh yeah. Those millions, it feels like, and it feels like 70% of that chunk is has become gaming since that is the now hit thing. Yeah, and I think another reason that the gaming genre on YouTube has exploded so much is because it's not that difficult to put these games together. Mm-hmm. Like, or not these games, it's not that difficult to put these videos together. Uh, because the USB adapter that I have for my computer, well, that only cost me like, Ten dollars, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's not that hard to hook it up to the my computer and hook up a video game system to it, mm-hmm. and essentially you just play the game, and if you want to commentate, you commentate, and I know there's programs that'll let you do it all on the same computer. Yep. I've mentioned this before, and I was telling you about this before we recorded. Mm-hmm. I have kind of an awkward setup where I have to record my video footage on one computer, I record my narration on another computer. Yep and then I mix them together, so it's a pain in the butt, but I like doing it. Yeah. And since it's, like I said, it's not that difficult to get into, mm-hmm. as I said, especially if you're just going to, like, record video footage and put it up on YouTube and let people watch it, and, of course, it's a little trickier if you're doing commentary. Mm-hmm. But, because one of the reasons I think that it can be hard to get into that genre, though, I mean, we've heard about, of course, how, like, you got people like PewDiePie who are making truckloads of money doing their video game shows, and I think there's probably people out there who are like, hey, if I do that too, then maybe I too can become a millionaire someday, and I don't know, I don't do this, I have no illusions. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to be making a million dollars a year doing this, granted, if I did make a million dollars a year doing this... So, I mean, I, it sounds like you probably have the same opinion where it's it's something you do more just for fun. I do it because, well, my initial idea was I want it for the money because I don't like actual work. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people who are listening to this can agree with me on this one. There's a lot of jobs out there that are just way down the toilet. Yeah. And YouTube, I find it fun. And then once I start going into it, why should I care about the money? Yeah. It's just something we have fallen for, something we love doing. Yeah. In a way, there's certain parallels with the RPG industry nowadays mm-hmm. where it's easier to get started in it. And I did address this not too long ago in one of my podcasts where getting involved in the role playing game market, it's easier than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So that means pretty much anyone who has the desire and takes the time can get involved in publishing role playing games which, of course, leads to the problem with there being tons of game designers out there, so it's harder to stand out. But, mm-hmm. you know, at least from a customer's perspective, they have more choices. So, yep. But that's not the main focus of today's show. So for you, what goes into creating an episode of your games? Well, since a lot of people who have watched my videos, and I figured none of you guys have watched them, <laughs> I do a one-take and go since I don't really know how to edit. Yeah, and I know that's one thing I said I'd show you a little bit of doing. I mean, granted, I know I am not a professional video editor. Yeah, I know a few people who are, so I'm like, I can hire these guys, or I can do what I'm doing, since how often do you see a YouTuber out there who doesn't edit, who doesn't do his thing, and just goes into it? How often do you see that? That's true. I mean, I I know for my show, I mean, I do, you know, some editing where I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I have to cut out vocal well, not vocals, I cut out narration, and, you know, I mentioned this to you before, where, mm-hmm. like, if I'm talking, then all of a sudden I do a word salad where it's like, and now I'm going to, <laughs> you know, I'm, okay, I'll be like, okay, memo to self, about this part, we got to go back and cut out the, you know, the tongue yeah. twister, and then sometimes I might say something during the recording, and then I might, like, go back later and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. we should probably take that part out, so, yeah, I know I edit my stuff, too. And, yeah. And thing is, I figure if you've noticed through the podcast, I've been more popping in. Like, say, I've been screwing up. I just go straight back in. Yeah. I've been doing that because that's what I'm used to now. Mm-hmm. And with my few little issues, 
Like, I have asthma, I have a speech impairment, and a few things I say most people don't like, because I've also got the an autism called uh, Asperger's syndrome. Okay. So learning a few things kind of becomes a pain in the derriere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of the episodes you've done so far, which one is your favorite? So far, one, I haven't been posting that much Minecraft, but I've been loving doing the Isaac runs. Why each one of them is unique. Sure, I screw up a lot, <laughs> but hey, I enjoy it. Each seed, I've actually got a few seeds on my phone, but I'll take those out later, Yeah. that I have loved doing, so I kind of mock them as favorites and so on and so forth. And if, say, say one of my viewers, let's go with this one who has given me crap lately, Darth Vader, has been, wants to give me a seed that's intriguing, I'll pop it up, I'll see if I like it or not. If I don't... I ain't showing it. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, because I'd have to say my favorite episode probably so far has been Brutal Legend, just because it was an awesome game. And I said, even though, unlike some of my Bargain Bin adventures, which I will admit, some of them that I've played, and then it's like, okay, this game is junk, so, you know, I've taken it back to GameStop, like Mm. Chicken Blaster, that pretty much one, that one went back. Battle Rage, that one I wasn't too fond of, Mm. but... I've had a lot of fun playing Brutal Legends so far. My only complaint with the game, and it's not really a complaint, it's more just a personal opinion, mm-hmm. is, you know, when they've got the large-scale battle scenes, they do get a little oh. chaotic sometimes because it's mm-hmm. like you've got, you know, you've got enemies attacking one of your merch yeah. booths, so you got to try to, you know, get your troops over there, mm-hmm. and, of course, there's the commands. I mean, of course, you can just go, just use Eddie to go... Mm. hack and slash everyone. That's my own real gripe about the game is the, the large battle scenes. While they are fun mm-hmm. and they do add a, some variety to the game, mm-hmm. they can get a little chaotic. Yeah, when I played it, and I played a lot through the games, that is where your downfall will be throughout the entire game, is those battle scenes since of how chaotic it gets, because throughout the time of the story it gets even more chaotic. What, what part are you at right now, exactly? I'm at the part where after we destroyed uh, General Lion White's mm-hmm. tower and in the, that, like, Arctic world, and we've got... I went back with Ophelia to get mm-hmm. the steel girders. So that's the part I'm on where... Okay, no, it's just... Uh, I don't know if this would be counted as a spoiler or not. It's going to get a lot more hectic from this point well, on. Oh, fun! Great, something to look forward to. <laughs> but I have to say, really, my mo- the most fun I have with that game is just driving around in the car listening to heavy metal. I loved how they did that. And, no, I love how there's this... God of rock. Yep. God of metal, I think that's more who he is. Armageddon? Not just him. Uh, you know, when you go through that garage section where you can improve. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne, the yes. Guardian of Metal, yes. I, I love, love some of the... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah, I love some of the things he says, you know, mm-hmm. like when sometimes when you drive off, it's like, go effing nuts! <laughs> and I like some of the things like when you're just searching new upgrades, mm-hmm. like, you know, you go for the axe ones, and it's like, Pain comes in many flavors. Yeah, I love that. I've got a few moves I can show you, but I really like the job that Ozzy did on the voice actor. I love how he did that, and something that still catches me off guard with that game is Jack Black is finally in a game. Yep. It catches me off guard since I find him, he's hilarious. I've actually listened to some of his songs, uh, comical songs, Mm -hmm. like uh, Tribute. I heard that one. I liked how that turned out, and... Hearing him in this game as a roadie, I think, fit him more. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it feels like that is what he is. He himself yeah. is a roadie. Yeah, and I, I said I do like his, the job he's done on that one, too. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten off topic, kind of, but that's okay. Like, we, it happens all the time on my show. And I know that's one of those games I'm thinking of doing a Let's Play of Brutal Legend just so I can share the awesomeness. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking of getting that as well. It's also on Steam right oh, now. Cool. It's not as... How much did you get it for on the... on? You got it for like three bucks. Three bucks. Yeah, on the Steam, it's a little bit more, but with the sales you can get onto it, the sales really kick in, because uh, you can get a game for 97% off. Wow. And it just blows my mind when I see that. Yeah, I might have to check out Steam. I said I never really did too much computer gaming, but I might mm-hmm. check it out, because I have other friends who do Steam as well. Mm-hmm. But anyways, back to the topic at hand. So we talked about some of your favorite episodes you've done, and then, now do you watch a lot of other video game shows? I know you mentioned Markiplier. Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, Sunday, Bashaverse, and so on and so forth. 
I do watch them a little bit here and there nowadays. Bashaverse, I noticed he's doing something that I found interesting. Have you ever seen the old TV show, uh, Total Drama Island? No, I have not. Okay, basically, it's, uh, it's an island, it's a island contest where you have a handful of people come in, and there are two teams, uh, normal ones they took was the Beavers and the, I'm forgetting what they were, uh, Sea Otters. Okay. Those were two teams I remembered. High likely, I'm forget. That's okay, like somewhere. I said. I've never seen the show, so they they could be the Beavers and Sea Otters for all I know. <laughs> I know one of them was the Beavers. Uh, basically, each the two groups have an s- even amount of people. Each challenge, you get a reward point. After a certain amount, at the end of it, the one who has the most points is safe for that night. Okay. And the other per and the other team has to subtract one of their team members. By a vote. So okay. it becomes very... Survivor-ish, where yeah. you've been voted off the island. Basically. It, I've seen other shows who have done this, and I like how they do that. Like, uh, a survi- this is just a survival show I found myself. Basically, they're butt-naked, and they only have one item. Naked and afraid. Thank you. Yes, I've seen a couple episodes of that one. That, that always caught me off guard, like the one guy who bought duct tape. Can do anything with it. <laughs> you know what they say: if you can't fix it, duck it. If you can't duck it, <laughs> it. You know. Hey. Yes, I know. I'm gonna go and beat that out. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. I, I'm sure the duct tape came in useful. Yeah, but it did. But either way, back to the topic we had. So back to hand. the topic at hand. So you, you mentioned Markiplier. Yeah. I've seen a few of his episodes. I really love his voice. I, mean, I he love just does how a that great job narration. And another one that I listen to or watch, uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, I think I've heard of him once. I think you told me about him one time. I just never mentioned. I just never saw him yet. Yeah, his site is Cinemassacre, mm. and he started out doing mostly like video games. Mm. Where he, I think he was one of the people that started the whole angry reviewer trend. Mm. Which it's one of those things where it can be done well, but occasionally when I'm flipping through videos on YouTube, sometimes I will see angry reviewer episodes where. I just wish I could reach through the computer screen and strangle the guy because yeah. they're like, look at this old NES game. These oh, graphics God. suck. My smartphone gets better graphics than this. That, mm. <laughs> Context. Of course your smartphone gets better graphics, graphics than the NES. The NES was made in the early 80s. Your smartphone was made a year ago, you dumb son of a gun. Yes, that. Thank you. So... <laughs> And I mean, I'm, now this is not to say that all old video games are good video mm-hmm. games, but again, you always got to take things in context. Mm-hmm. And I've that's one of the faults I see with some of the angry reviewers, where mm-hmm. they criticize how you know the graphics and the music are bad when there was only so much the they could do with games back then. Mm-hmm. Now, I like it though when they do actually make actual game comments on it, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't like this because the play control. Mm -hmm. And again, that's something that's huge for me. If a game has terrible play control, that's going to kill it for me. (laughs) Same with you? Same as well on my end. Basically, if the game doesn't have good play control, like, I can barely figure this out, it's basically saying, do this to do this, then you can also do this with the same button. So it's like, it's the same button, but does two exactly different things. There's an old comic strip that I've read in the newspaper. I'm not sure if it's still going or not. I think it's called Foxtrot. I do not read the newspaper. Well, they had <laughs> uh, they had one of the kids sitting on a couch with his friend. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, it takes a lot of concentration to play a game like Mortal Kombat. Or no, it wasn't Mortal Kombat. Mortal Carnage 12 or whatever it was. He's like, okay, this is what you gotta do. Press like, you know, B, B, A, A, B, B, X, Y, left, 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 right. And he's like, his friend is like, okay, what move is that? That's how to do a basic punch. And then he takes this huge <laughs> fold-out chart. So he has this huge fold-out chart, and he's like, now this is how you do a kick. <laughs> and the That's problem horrible. is, in a way, it's not far off, because I have seen games where the play control is needlessly complex. Mm-hmm. But one of my gripes that I have about play control with games is when they insert motion control for things that you really don't, don't need motion it. control for. Uh, yeah. And again, we were talking about my Prince Caspian episode yeah, on that the lev- the lever incident. It's basically like, just go through the door. Exactly. Let me go up to a lever, push a button, and pull the lever. It's not 
rocket science! You don't need to shake the controller like mad, saying, Open, 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 open sesame, I am now Aladdin. And it was worse with, uh, there was a dwarf character, and you have a, a grappling hook where it's like, there's some areas where in order to do the grappling hook, you gotta, like, mm-hmm. twirl around the, make a circle with the, yeah. one of the things. It's like, really? just let me walk up to a place where I can throw my grappling hook and mm. let me press a button. But anyways. Yeah. So, I always like the Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, Markiplier I watch occasionally. Mm. One of my favorite shows is probably Game Theory. I watch them, too. I love how they did that. Like them up. There's actually a section that's called Film Theory. I like how yes. they did that. But the thing I like about that is how, you know, the guy, of course, the guy who hosts it, Matt Pat, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a good speaking voice, but mm-hmm. I, I like how he breaks down the video games and tries to look for, like, you know, meanings or sometimes cultural things mm-hmm. as well. One of my favorite ones was the Final Fantasy episode where he was discussing our Final Fantasy games anti-religion. Yeah, I saw that. That caught me off guard for a bit when I, when I watched that. But something that I like off of him, uh, the game series is the Culture Shock videos. Yes, Gaijinula. He actually has his own separate channel, which I watch as well. The Culture Shock videos are coming to that. I love how they did that, like uh, the dating sim thing. Oh, and yeah. During the Japanese culture, I know we are very off topic on this one. That's okay. But I like how they did that because, if I remember correctly, the Japanese male worker works 12 to 16 hours a day. He's forced, he's yeah. basically forced to stay up till midnight, drinking away his woes and being a family man on that. Yeah, that causes so much stress. And you're a family man yourself. Yes. How does that treat you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sometimes it's hard enough when I just have to work my eight hours, and sometimes when I have overtime, you yeah. work a few hours more. But yeah, I know his dating sim was good. Mm-hmm. I also liked he did one episode where he was discussing some of the mythology behind some of the summons in the Final Fantasy yeah, I games. I saw that. I found that very interesting myself. Yeah. My only complaint is how he did the whole thing about with Thor and Loki being brothers. Mm. It's like, okay, that's only in the Marvel comic books. You know, if you look in actual Norse mythology, you know, they were friends, but mm. and sometimes enemies, but they really weren't, they weren't brothers. That was the whole, mm. but anyways. Yeah, uh, so game theory is one I recommend checking out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get if there's any others. Uh, one guy I actually watch, he does a bit of the things. Uh, he he does the angry thing, thing a bit, but he explains why he does not like it. Angry yes. Joe. Haven't heard that one. Angry Joe is basically, he does kind of the same thing as Game Theory a little bit. He explains why he doesn't like the game, why he does like the game. Like, I don't like the motion controls, the setting they're in right now. doesn't make sense. Like, I'm, uh, two worlds, two. He complained about that one because of the style it played and so on and so forth. And it's a very old review. And I, I like Two Worlds 2 to a wee point, but I really don't like it at all. Yeah. Cause, and that's what I try to do when I'm doing my review type videos, like my bargain bins. Mm-hmm. I try to say, I don't just say this game sucks. I try to explain this is why mm-hmm. I think the game sucks. And one other reviewer who kind of bucks the whole angry reviewer trend, mm-hmm. the happy video game nerd. He, I don't remember the guy's name, but his episodes, he looks at some of these old games he's played, and he talks about why he likes them mm-hmm. as opposed to why he hates them, mm-hmm. so or why people sometimes hate them. Like, one episode I really enjoyed was his episode for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo. It's one of those games that I personally think it gets a lot more hate than it deserves, but mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. So in addition to, of course, the Let's Play crowd, of course, we've, had, we've talked about the angry reviewers, and this actually segues rather nicely into the next topic I wanted to discuss today, and that's retro gaming. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we see these, you know, these uh, angry gamers, they do their shows about some old game. And I already yeah. mentioned my pet peeve, where it's like, you know, gee, this NES game sucks, you know, and... Ugh. And, you know, as I said, you don't want to give a free pass to all old games. I've been playing video games for years. And, yes, (laughs) even when I was a kid, there were bad games. There were bad games. There's always going to be bad games. But, again, you always got to take everything in context where, yeah, exactly, because you're not going to get, you know, 16-bit graphics on an NES. You're not going to get Xbox 360-quality graphics on a Super Nintendo but then again, graphics don't make a game entirely. No. So, what do you feel about the term retro gaming? Well, in my opinion, retro gaming, well, I don't really count it as a group. 
why. Retro gaming is just a label people put onto it, basically saying, this game is not going to be good. Put it in the trash. So you think that when some people hear retro game or old school game mm. or a classic game, they just think, oh, it's an old game that's not going to be worth my time yes. because it was made in 1985. Basically, and with me, that pisses me off because I've seen plenty of guys out there who play retro games and like them. Like a, a guy I mentioned earlier, I think I mentioned him earlier, was Sunday. I think so, yeah. Sunday played actually one of the old Mega Man games for the NES. He loved how it turned out, and note, I love the old Mega Man games myself. Oh, yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were, like uh, Mega Man X for the, what was it, Super NES? Was yes, it? it was. For the Super NES. I loved how they did that, and mostly, I liked how they evolved with it throughout the times, but the original one, you cannot get past it. If you want to feel the full story of it, you have to play the original ones. But with that label it's placed onto it, will you ever play it? No. Yeah, because the... I know with the Mega Man games, there's a term, I don't know if you ever heard of it, NES Hard. I have not heard that one. Okay, I'm learning lots of new terms today, but yeah, NES, NES Hard... The Nintendo was known for having a lot of games that were difficult, mm -hmm. but there were some games that went beyond difficult, so they deserved their own label, in this case, NES Hard. Ugh. These would be games like Battletoads. These are games that are notoriously difficult, mm -hmm. and usually the difficulty is because of a number of factors. Sometimes it's because the enemies take a lot of life, mm -hmm. or there's one-hit deaths, or what really made some of these games difficult is the fact that there were either no continues, or limited continues. A uh, good example, uh, did you ever play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES? I played TMNT for the actual PlayStation. It was for, I think I played for the PS2, I played it on the PlayStation. One of those two, I forget. But bloody Hiskivy, that was a difficult game. Yeah, the one for the NES is notoriously difficult because you only have, like, I think three continues, mm -hmm. and, you know, each turtle is essentially a life, so mm -hmm. you basically have four lives per playthrough, but once a turtle is dead, there are some stages that have an area where you can rescue captured turtles, mm -hmm. but once all your turtles are dead, then, well, game over. that's game over, so that's another one that I hope to do on one of my 8-bit flashbacks, the old okay. NES uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Okay, but... To get back on track, again, I do like how you brought up the term that it's a label. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, sometimes people will associate a label with things that are good, sometimes things that are bad. To draw a comparison to the role-playing game industry, mm -hmm. there's one term, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, Fantasy Heartbreaker. No, I haven't, actually. Okay. Well, I talked about this when I did my episode on getting started as a role-playing game designer. Mm -hmm. And there's an author, Ron Edwards, I'm not sure if he made the term or if it's one that he just borrowed from someone else, but the term Fantasy Heartbreaker is a game that's usually going to take on different meanings depending on who you ask. I believe the way that Ron Edwards described it is it's usually a creator-owned game, one that is you know owned by the creators, kind of like with my games, and there's usually one really good idea hidden somewhere in the game. Mm -hmm. But trying to get to that good idea is sometimes like, yep, you got to go through layers. It's like trying to find a diamond in yeah, a big pile of cow manure. <laughs> yeah, there's a diamond in there, but you got to go through a lot of cow manure in order uh. to get to it. And I know other people, they describe it as a game that tries to be Dungeons and Dragons all over again. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, trying to emulate D&D &D to some regards. What do you think? Because I know you play D&D. &D. We've played Yeah, D &D me and together, you play so. D&D &D as well. Oh, this actually reminds me of a game I play a little bit, thanks to our friend Orion. Mm -hmm. He gave me a game called Boulder's Gate. Okay. Boulder's Gate has the second edition D&D &D style. And I like how it played a little bit, but it just felt difficult. Yeah. And, well, and I... I Translating role-playing games into video games, that's kind of its own thing, and I've talked a little bit about it here and there, and I said it's just difficult because sometimes mm -hmm. the rule set doesn't translate very well to a video game. 
I do have to admit, though, I mean, we've talked about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Lord Almighty, that's a fantastic game. Yeah, and I thought it pulled off the third edition rules fairly well, so... It did, in my opinion. And with the style they have is, like, every, what was it, fourth level you gained one point. I liked how they did that a wee bit, because it gave a bit of an advanced thought to it. Like, uh, there are two styles I played as. I A, played with someone with a vibroblade, and where I've smacked everyone with it, <laughs> or I stayed in the back and started shooting things, but that caused a bit of an issue, because at the very beginning of the game, someone needs to be the tank. Yes. And Koth ain't going to handle it. <laughs> and then, of course, once you uh, get to the point where you become a Jedi, then, well, you really don't use the you know your blaster rifles as much, because chances are you've got a lightsaber. Yeah. Use the darn thing. Yeah. But... Yeah, like I said, I think that Knights of the Old Republic is a case where the third edition rules did translate well to it. They did, while the game itself well, th- was th- just th- awesome. <laughs> like I said, my, my friend Steve and I, we did an entire episode just on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic because that's yeah. how awesome that game is. Well, mostly what I was going with with the 3.5 system in general. Playing the 3.5 D&D style, it's hard to go through. Why? It's basically, you get overpowered... Like that. Yes. While if you look at it the Star Wars perspective, you don't get that. Yeah. I know that's one of the things that a lot of people complain about with 3rd edition, is that it does give you lots of kukunutty, mm. you know, powers, and not everyone likes that style of play. But, mm. back on track. Back we on get, track. like I said, we get off track a lot, that's we fine. We do. But... <laughs> the other way that people sometimes define a fantasy heartbreaker is just a bad game. And that's one of the reasons why when I did my show about getting started as a role-playing game designer, mm-hmm. why when you make your first game, you want to try to think of something different. Mm-hmm. If you want to make your first game a D&D-inspired, mm-hmm. Tolkien-inspired fantasy game with dragons and elves and stuff, that's fine. But it can be a tough sell. Yeah, there was actually a game I tried making one of the classes I have. Mm-hmm. I don't have it anymore because... Uh, it was a project. <laughs> okay. Uh, basically, it kind of gave that Bomberman feel to it, as well as had a different styles of it. One, you play it as well Bomberman. Two, you play as an archer. And three, you had to play as a mage. Mm-hmm. Certain creatures I popped in could only be attacked with those specific types. So, here's a skeleton. Arrow. Go straight through him. Throw a fireball at him. Okay, he'll die. Throw a bomb at him. No, duh. He's dead. <laughs> but but to get back to the whole labels thing, and I know with like a lot of these older games, one of the reasons that it can be difficult to label something as retro or classic or old school is, of course, people are going to have their own definitions, but my idea of an old school game is probably going to be different from yours, which mm. might be different from some, you know, our friend Orion or someone else. Oh, your son. <laughs> yes, exactly. And again, speaking of my son, he's really into the Legend of Zelda series. Mm-hmm. I introduced him to the first Legend of Zelda for the NES because it's the first in the series and it's the first one I ever played. Mm -hmm. Then again, back when I was a kid, it was the only Zelda game. But anyways, to get (laughs) get back on track here, so for him to play the original Legend of Zelda, or for you to play the original Legend of Zelda, Mm -hmm. some people might think of that as retro gaming because that game came before your time. Now, I know you've mentioned to me before that you you had your parents had an NES. So we you had did the play. NES. We had a Super Sega. We actually had the console Pong. Yep. So I'm I may be young for my age, but spirit wise and gaming, I'm as old as him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's absolutely nothing wrong with parents introducing their kids to the classic games. I know, and we actually didn't get the PlayStation until I was seven. Mm-hmm. And I think the PS2 came out during that time as well. When I was seven, which was, I was born in 2005, the PS2 was highly likely already out by then, and finding a classic PlayStation is pretty darn hard by then. Yeah, and I know, like, a working Super Nintendo and just some of these working old systems, they actually go for pretty good money on the secondary market. But to get back to my, my original topic, it's like, yeah, for him... 
my son to play the original Legend of Zelda or the first Super Mario Brothers. That might be retro gaming to him, but for me, it's kind of hard to classify that as retro gaming because I played those games when I was a kid, and these are the games in the franchises I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I think some people are have problems with the term retro gaming because... Yeah, I played that game when I was your age, kid, and and even before. <laughs> yeah, like, no, retro gaming, I hate the title of it, personally. And highly likely a lot of people do. Some people call it classic gaming. I prefer calling it the origins of gaming, since wasn't the original game Pong itself? Well, that's a good topic. Prob- it really depends what you want to define as a video game. Mm-hmm. If you go by just the term of an electronic game... Technically, the first one would be Tennis for Two, which was made on an oscilloscope, I think, by someone in, I think it was either the Army or the Air Force. I think the Air Force. But uh, they basically found a way to make it so that, you know, you had something in the middle that looked like a net, and you basically hit a ball back and forth. Okay. Go look up Tennis for Two on the internet. You'll find it. I'll figure I'll find it sooner or later. The thing is, though, the reason some people don't necessarily view that as a true video game is you needed two people to play it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the one that... The first video game where you actually had a computer-controlled opponent, I think that was Space Wars. Okay. But yeah, that's a, another topic that's always interesting to explore. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, that's always another topic that's interesting to explore, the history of video games. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that you know, young, and I, I'm not trying to sound condescending when I say oh. this, but younger gamers like yourself, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to experience these games. I played when I was your age and younger because I think it can fill you with a certain sense of appreciation when you look at something like Pong mm-hmm. and then you go play Minecraft or you mentioned Town of Salem or yep. whatever you play on your computer. Yeah. You can see how everything, you can see how far gaming has come. Mm-hmm. And. One of the things that I really like about, at least I know Nintendo does this, I don't know if uh, PlayStation or Xbox, how much of they get involved in. I know they have like Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network Ugh. where you can buy games to download. Don't but, do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't really gotten much on the, the Xbox Live, but... Yeah. But I really like how with the Nintendo, you know, the Nintendo Wii, the Wii U, mm-hmm. and they even did this for the 3DS... You can download these old games on Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what I really love because I can play these old games. I can introduce them to my son or any younger friends. And I don't have to blow my NES. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, isn't it 18 now? So can't you legally do that now? <laughs> nice! <laughs> yes, the old gamers out there, you know what I mean when I say blowing the cards or blowing the nest. No, it's not what you think. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. So any final thoughts about retro gaming? My opinion... Everyone should give it a chance. Everyone should give the old games a chance. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like, people my age, when they think retro games, high likely they think the NES, they think the Super, the Super Nintendo, they think... See, I figure they probably think more along the lines of, like, PlayStation or the first Xbox, but... Well, I'd actually disagree with that, because people my age used to have that. So, I figure, like, two years... figure those who are, like, what, 15 now... They put that into that category, but me, anything pa- anything before the GameCube, they count as a retro game. That's how I remember it, since didn't the GameCube happen before the Xbox and the PlayStation itself, or is it the other way around? I think it was, a, I think it was afterwards, because okay. back when everything, after the 16-bit era was coming to a close, you had mm-hmm. the PlayStation, which was going to do, you know, disc-based, mm-hmm. and then... Nintendo at this time, they decided they were still going to stick with cartridges, and that's okay. how we got the N64. Because, yeah, the... Okay. The, um... I lost my train of thought. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the GameCube was Nintendo's first disc-based system, I believe. Okay. They were working with Sony to create a disc-based add-on for the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. but Nintendo decided not to go with that, and that eventually became the PlayStation. Okay, so it was the PlayStation. That, yeah, and I know that... Out. Nintendo did have another early attempt to go into disc-based. They worked with uh, Philips, Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the Angry Video Game Nerd, he does an episode on the Philips CDI. And essentially what they envisioned was a unit that could be kind of an all-in-one. You could listen to CDs on it. You could play games on it. You could watch movies on it. And, well, as far as how good the mm. CDI is, yeah, it didn't really turn out very well from what I've heard. But yeah, I think they kind of finished that in my era since... One, the Xbox 360. Yes, I do not have an Xbox One or PS4. Why? I hate both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't... I don't know, I've just been so happy with my Nintendo, I really mm-hmm. haven't seen much need to move on from my 360, but I know I, pro- I probably will eventually. Don't. <laughs> well, it's because the thing is, there just haven't really been any games that have been released for the Xbox One or the PlayStation 4 that have really mm-hmm. made me say... I have to go out and buy that the game system. That too. Plus, if you actually heard the bad rep between in the Xbox One, and I've seen many playthroughs with the mm-hmm. Xbox One, it goes down the toilet quick. Yeah. <laughs> no offense I've, to Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've heard a few other problems with the Xbox One. But anyways. Either so way, that's the topic offhand. Yeah, and so the I guess if you're going to take anything away from this episode, we're gamers. <laughs> Just play games. Who cares if you have an old Pong unit, play your old Pong unit. You know, if you still got a working NES or a working Super Nintendo, dust that puppy off, plug it in, play it sometime. Blow yeah. it. Uh, yes. <laughs> There's no shame in blowing the next cartridge. <laughs> but with that thought in your heads, I'm sure you probably don't want any more th- of those thoughts in your heads. But with that, that said, uh, again, please feel free to check out Point of Insanity Game Studio or you said it was Demon... Demon King IX, Roman numerals. Yep. Demon King IX on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, Certainly stop by, check out some of our t- game channels yep. or some of our game videos. Also, if you have any comments, please feel free to leave them on the Point of Insanity Game Studio Facebook page. If you have ideas for topics you'd like to see me cover in the future, please feel free to contact me either through POIGamestudio.com or through the Facebook page. So with that said, thanks for listening. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.